If you have your Bibles, we're going to read some from Matthew chapter 24. I have given these to Mark. I must say that I'm on a subject tonight that I taught this some years ago, and I cannot say but that it's such a, a dire need. And uh, it challenges me as we look at this word deception. And we'll read St. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And in the same chapter, he's talking about certainly the end times. And in the same chapter, in verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive. How many? Many. And then in the same chapter, verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. It's here. I don't know when I've ever seen a time that people are being deceived like they are today. Now, this can be a downer. It don't have to be because I don't believe that you and I, I don't believe that we need to be deceived. But so many people are. I want to address it as we read the introduction. If you notice at the top of your page, if you did not get an outline, please raise your hand. We want to make sure everyone gets an outline. Okay? Okay, we've got one person. And we want to make sure you have one. If you notice at the top of the page under deception, the devil's most dangerous device. Because most people that are deceived don't know that they are deceived. They don't know it. And if you notice down at the bottom of the page, I got nobody likes to admit that he has been conned. But your Bible warns that Satan wants to con you out of your most precious possession. You certainly, your eternal life that he that God provides. This thief works through deceptive practices from selfish vanity to pride to dangerous occultism, seeking to turn people away from what? The truth. And that's something I want you to keep in mind as we walk through these scriptures and, and this study tonight and from the way of life that will bring true happiness God's way. Increase in deception, notice back the introduction, Increase in deception will mark the end time. When I, when I read to you from Matthew 24, he's speaking of the end time and over and over and over again. And we'll get to some of these in Paul's writing, especially to young Timothy. Over and over again, he's talking about do not be deceived. At a certain point, these deceptions are even going to be augmented by signs and wonders, miracles of certain kinds. And if we are not careful, even the elect, the Bible says, if possible, will certainly be deceived. A major theme throughout the entire New Testament is is that God's people need to develop discernment so that they can avoid spiritual deception. The key to understanding spiritual deception is the fact that we often choose what we want to believe rather than what we should believe, even in the face of evidence. 
I, I can't I can't speak strong enough to this tonight. I can't deal with it strong enough because this this nation is is reeling from the political realm to the social realm to the spiritual realm. It's reeling in deception. And uh, the thing that we need to to, to be careful is that we will not certainly be deceived. The latter times will, will be noted for deception. Repeated warnings concerning deception in the last days. And we just read to you from Matthew 24, 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you will. It says in verse 1 and 2, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That's a, that's a challenging verse to me. That's a thought-provoking verse, or those two verses to me. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want the enemy to lead me astray. And so it's important that we look at these scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. It says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, we can, we can say, and I'm not saying there's anyone here deceived tonight. I want you to just know that. But we can easily say it's, he's talking to Joe or Sue really needs this. But I want us, again, as I said, to look at ourselves. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse 3. It says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the fallen away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11. The coming of a lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power signs, lying wonders. And with all unrighteous, what? Deception. Among those who perish because they did not receive, what? Why were they deceived? Because they did not receive the love of truth. And that's the reason I want you to focus on that word truth. They did not receive the love of truth. And they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. We, God, not the devil, not some preacher, but God. Because once we begin to deny the truth, rebel against the truth, not accept the truth of God's word, God says, okay, go right ahead. And there are so many people that have gone into that strong delusion and they believe the lie. The lie, what lie? Well, he's a liar, Satan is, from the very beginning. He's nothing but a lie. Believe the lie. 9 through 11, it's just, I'm telling you, it's, it's very important. I want to read that in the Living Bible. Look at this. This man of sin will come as Satan's tool 
full of satanic power and will trick everyone with strange demonstrations and will do great miracles. Just because you see someone performing a miracle don't mean that they're of God. And especially in these last days and especially during the time of the tribulation. He will completely fool those who are on their way to hell because they have said no to the truth. They have refused to believe it and love it and let it save them. They've refused the truth of God's word. People have hardened themselves to it. So God will allow them, this is what this translation says, to believe lies with all their hearts. I believe there are people you can tell them over and over again and warn them and you can say, this is the way it is. And they say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It is important that we understand that. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. So here are these precautions that God gives to us. That we, it's just as plain as anything. That, that, that the enemy, if he can... Any way he can, by any means he can, he's going to deceive and lead astray. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits where they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this, now, this first paragraph deals with the message. The second paragraph, paragraph graph in this uh, first John deals with the messenger. So we can be led away by the message of the messenger or we can be led away by the messenger. We, we like him, we like her, they... Uh, we're impressed by their personality, and it's so easy to be led astray. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Then in verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they, the messengers, speak as of the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who also is not of God does not hear us. But by this we know the spirit of truth and certainly the spirit of error. I don't know if you have the Date Bible, but the Date Bible has a lot of good stuff in it. It is a, it is a of course he uses the King James translation, but his commentary is on the side. And... Uh, he was one of the wisest men that ever wrote commentary on the Bible. And uh, I remember seeing Finest Dake back on Jim Baker's program way many years ago. Some of you are old enough to remember the PTL program. Well, Finest Dake was on that program. He, and uh, the man, you could quote any verse in the Bible. God had given, sovereignly given him uh, knowledge of the Bible. You could quote any verse in the Bible, no matter where it was, and he'd tell you where it was. I mean, he had a phenomenal. He said, I don't believe that. I, I, I find it hard to believe, too. But they, that's, that's, he was just great. He could debate anybody. And, and so I use his, bio, his, his uh, commentary sometime. And on the side of this first John, he has, 
He's always got seven things for whatever. He has uh, here seven ways to test false prophets. Is that preacher? Is that person? Is that individual? Are they true or, or are they false? First of all, their confession of Jesus Christ. Let me say it this way. The incarnation. Somebody tell me, uh, give a, a little brief synopsis. Synopsis, is that a good way? Uh, of, of, of the incarnation. Anybody want to go with it? First, you've got the what of Jesus? Birth of Jesus. Second of all, the life of Jesus. And, and you may not say these in disorder, but then that's okay. You may be right. Uh, thirdly, the death of Jesus. And fourthly, of course, the resurrection. And he is saying here, John is saying here, anyone that denies the incarnation is a false prophet. And we're living in a day when people are talking about their faith, they're talking about God, but don't say anything about Jesus Christ. They don't want. Number two, again, we're looking at Ways to test false prophets by their relationship with the world. And that's what he's talking about here in, in 1 John. Their relationship with the world. And you can't, you can't be partnering with the world and partnering with God. In fact, we're living in a day when you can't tell the church from the world and the world from the church a lot of times. And you and I both know that. But it's important. That their relationship, of course, be with, with, with God and certainly not of the world. Number three, how they receive Christianity. And it goes back to the incarnation, the relationship, the relationship, the relationship with Christ. More than just church membership or more than just the religious part, but the real relationship with Jesus Christ. Number four, their attitude toward uh, the commandments of God. Number five, the love of the brethren. You can't say you love God and hate your brothers. Number six, the indwelling Holy Spirit. He talks about that here in 1 John. And that's so vitally important. That's the reason you hear me talk a lot about the, the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit when you're saved. And then the initial giving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe so much in the third person of the Godhead, and we need him more and more in these last days. And then number seven, the word of God. Those seven traits, if that person, that preacher, that teacher, that individual does not measure up there with those things, then they are false when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 John 1 and 7. Let me look at that one. 2 John 1 and 7, Brother Mark. Did I, is that, did I have that in there? I don't have that in there. Okay, let's, let's, let's move on. So it's important that we understand that he's talking about the, uh, the deception, especially, especially... In the last days. When we, when we think about how things were 30, 40 years ago, uh, 
it's, it's changed so much that, it, you know, there was a black and white as far as it's, it's a division between knowing right and wrong, but now it's a gray area. You don't know, hey, is that right? Is this wrong? But you can know it's wrong or right by the word of God. That's the reason that it is so important to know that. Some who were deceived. I just put two here. Throughout the Bible, there were so many people that were deceived. And I don't know of anyone that was deceived any more than Samson was. Now, most of us know the life of Samson, how that he was just a a powerful man physically. And uh, he was a judge in Israel. And uh, how that uh, things went to bad, went from bad to worse with him, with relationship with women and on, on the Philistine side. But the thing that that really sticks out in my mind when it comes to deception is Delilah. You know that story. How that he 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 quote fell in love with Eli, Delilah. And the Philistines got her to the side and said, listen, uh, if, you'll, if you'll find out where his strength is, we'll pay you. And boy, it's way up there, 137 pounds of gold or something. Pay you a lot of money. Okay. So he comes in and he comes into Delilah. And she says to Samson, Samson, tell me where your strength lies. He said, well, if you'll tie me with a bowstring tie. Now, what they used was animal tendon. In the back of the, they used that for a bowstring. And he said it had to be, it, it, it couldn't be dry. So they had to tie him up with that. And uh, so, okay, he goes to sleep. She, she gets that, she ties him up, and she calls out, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. Well, he jumps up and snaps those and defeats the enemy. Somehow I think if that had been me, I'm not going to bite again. But a pretty woman might make you do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. And certainly the devil knows how to trick you. The next time he's with her, she said, Samson, you're playing games with me. Tell me what I can do to make you weak like other men. He said, I'll tell you what. Tie me with a new rope. Has to be brand, can never be used, a new rope. So, and I was interested in this. And when he went to sleep, she tied him up. And so she called out and said, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. Well, he, he woke up and snapped that new rope and he whooped up on the enemy. Somehow that would have been a wake-up call to me. I mean, I would have said, "You fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Three, three strikes and I'm out. Let's go to the third strike. For she said, Samson, you don't love me. If you really love me, you would tell me where your strength lies. Well, he's getting weaker. Notice, notice it gets closer and closer. He gets weaker and weaker. Deception is gradual. It will, it will pull you down and, and destroy you. That's the reason you have to be careful. It starts out with a look. Then it starts out with a smile. Then it starts out with a conversation. 
Then it starts out with holding hands. And then it starts out with an affair or ends with an affair. It, it, it's one thing leads to another. She said, you've been playing games with me. You don't love me. If you really love me, you tell me. He said, I'll tell you what. If you'll take and tie my hair in locks, what was those round things that they used to, to, to what was it? Uh, huh? Spell Yes. I did not know this till I read this story again. It was still tied to that spindle. Because she, she tied his hair in, in locks. He said, if you'll tie my hair, notice he's getting closer and closer to really and truly where his strength lies. And she did that. And she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. Well, he woke up and took his hair and flung that spindle up against the wall and broke it all to pieces and defeated the enemy. That's the third time. Don't you think he should have woke up? Don't you think a light should have gone off in his head? I mean, I think that after a while, I would have said, I think she's trying to hurt me. (laughs) I believe she's trying to harm me. And that's what the devil does. He gets closer, he gets closer, and he gets closer. And then she cried on his shoulder and she whined and she said, if you really love me. He said, I'll tell you what, ever since I've been born, no razor has ever gone on my head. And if you cut my hair off, I'll be like other men. She cut off his hair. Shaved him. Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. He woke up. And the Bible said he shook himself as other times and did not, did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. So many people have given themselves over gradually to the enemy and they sit and they're dead and the Spirit of God is gone. God, don't take your Spirit from me. Don't take your Spirit from me. Guard that with all of your heart. Guard that with everything you've got in you. That's more important than anything in the world is the Spirit of God. He shook himself, but they took him, and as you know, they put him grinding at the meal. Grinding at the meal. You said, oh, that's a, that's a sad, sad happening. Yes, it is. But one of the greatest things about that story is that one day he reached up and he filled his hair. Oh, let me tell you something. God forgives. God restores. God heals. God will hear us when we ask him to forgive us. And you know the rest of the stories, Paul Harvey might say, how did he pull the pillars down and kill more people at his death, than more Philistines, enemies at his death than he had ever killed in all of his life. But deception. And one of the greatest stories, I'm not going to get into it, I don't have time, but another one is Jacob. You remember that one? You remember Jacob and his mother? Fooling the dad? Isaac? I hope you know that story. It's a great story. It's just a great, great story. How Jacob not only stole the birthright, he stole his father's blessing from Esau. 
And one of the things about that was so interesting to me was Esau was hairy like an animal or had a lot of hair on him. So the mother goes out and kills an animal and puts hair on his arms. And he comes in to Esau or, or to uh, Isaac and Isaac said, you smell like, you don't smell like or whatever he said there. And he, but he, he went by feelings. Now, I believe in feelings as much as anybody. I'm excited about feelings. But if you go totally by feelings, you may go wrong. And he went by feeling. He fell in his heart and said, yep, you're, you're Esau, all right. And he blessed him. But, and then Jacob is deceived by his own father-in-law. Uh, the devil is, 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 is deceiving people today by empty and false promises. He promises us the world. He promises us promises everything, but he, he gives nothing. He gives nothing. We're empty. We're empty. Look at number three. Some of the ways in which God's word says we deceive ourselves. Look at uh, the first one. We deceive ourselves when we hear the word and don't do it. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving? What? Your neighbor? Your mama? Your daddy? Your brother? Your sister? Deceiving yourselves. And every one of these speak of, of things that we can do or not do and deceive our own selves. And I just wonder sometimes, I say, God, don't let me be deceived. Don't, don't let me be deceived. When we hear God's word and don't do it here, James said, you are deceiving your own self. And I pray tonight, God help us to practice what we preach. Help us not to hear, but help us also to be doers of his word. Number two, when we say we have no sin. Look at what 1 John says. If we say that we have no sin, we do what? Deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess, here's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Verse 9 of, of 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and to forgive us of, of us our sins and to cleanse us from most unrighteousness. Huh? Mark, you're messing me up tonight. Come on. No, you're right. I'm kidding. I love this verse. He said he forgives. Oh, don't you let the devil tell you, well, God's holding something back or he didn't forgive you of this. He didn't forgive you of that. The Bible says here he forgives us of all our sins. All our sins. Look at number three. When we think we're something when we're not. (laughs) Now listen, there's nothing wrong with self-esteem. There's, there's a healthy self-esteem. And I don't think we think we should let the devil put us down and say you're nothing. I'm not, I'm not saying that. It's important. But our self-esteem, it shouldn't come by, from what we own. It shouldn't come by our accomplishments. Our self-esteem should be rooted and grounded in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I know who I am because I know him. But look at what it says in... Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among us not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And then it's 
dealing with the same one, Galatians 6, 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at this and it's, it's, it's almost comical, but it's not. It, it says here, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He deceives himself. Look at uh, number five. Number four. When we mistake the world's wisdom for God's wisdom. Now this is good. First Corinthians 3. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Could somebody take that and print it and give it to the, all the congressmen and all the political leaders in Washington? I pick on them, but maybe I shouldn't as much as I do. It's amazing the people that think that they're wise. And when you're doing that, uh, get enough to give out to ABC, CBS, and NBC and CNN and Fox and all the televisions. They think they're so smart. And he's saying here, when you think you're so wise, you need to be careful. Only those that have the wisdom of certainly Jesus Christ. Not this world's wisdom. I want an eternal wisdom. I want something that's going to last beyond this this life. And that certainly certainly is the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Number five. We deceive ourselves when we think we are religious but do not bridle our tongue. Let's not go with that. You want to skip it? I'll take a vote. How many of you want to deal with it? You want to deal with it? Let me see you. Anyone that does not want to deal with it. Judy, put your hand down. Judy Johnson. Oh, you put your hand down. Didn't you? She's got me so many times this week I had to get her back. She's worked like a dog down here this week. I'll tell you that for two hard days. When we think, listen, when we think we are religious but do not bridle our tongue. Look at what James 1.26 says. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Now that will make you think. God sanctify our tongue. I know my wife, which mine was sanctified sometimes. I talk so much. I shouldn't talk so much. And if we're not careful, if we talk a lot, we're going to say something we shouldn't say. So God will help us. God will help me. God will help you to bridle our tongues. Number six, when we think we will not reap what we sow. I don't be lighthearted with this. This is, this is. All of them are serious, but this is very important. Galatians 6 and 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. Don't forget, God does not always settle up in the fall. I didn't write it down, but I want it read. If somebody can help me real Quick with Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. We fool ourselves. 
when we think we will not reap what we sow. You know what's amazing to me? It's people that sow bad seed much of their life and act surprised when they start reaping it. That's the truth. We're going to reap what we sow. There is no way we're going to be able to abuse our life. Abuse the time that God has given us. And not reap it. Anybody find Ecclesiastes 8 and 11? Okay, read it. Could y'all hear that back there? Could not hear that back there. Okay, read it. Priscilla, just like you're just teaching those kids in there. Read it. Listen, this is an important verse. I want you to be able to hear it. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Did you get it? Just because someone did wrong and they didn't reap it right then, they said, oh, I'm getting by with it. And I can keep doing this and I'm, I'm faring well. Look at me. Look at all those Christians. I get out and do all these things and live like I want to and I have a good job and all of this is going on and I'm just going down my merry way. God does not always settle up in the fall. And that is such a true, true statement. We fool ourselves when we think we will not reap what we sow. And number seven, I to hush. Number seven, when we think that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Paul says to the church of Corinthians, Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And we can go around and we can say all we want to. That doesn't apply today. That's old-fashioned stuff. It's not true. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to pay for it. And unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are going to be some say, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. Lord, I did all of these. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of iniquity. Number eight, when we think that we can continually, I love this one, when we think we can continually associate with bad company and not be corrupted, not be corrupted, corrupted. 1533, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Wow. Wow. Did you know Peter said Lot? You remember Lot? Lot was Abraham's nephew. And he went down to this beautiful land. And it was grassy and all fertile and beautiful. And he goes down there. Sodom. 
and starts associating. And the Bible says this righteous man, Solomon, vexed his own soul with the evil of that city. And you can say, oh, I can, I can hobnob with this one and I can be with that one and I can laugh at these jokes. And Listen, it will destroy you spiritually. You can't, it won't work. <laughs> it just won't. It's not going to happen, folks. Let me say it again. When we think that we can continually associate with bad company and not be corrupted. I'm ending with number nine. One means of deception is distortion of the gospel truth. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 11 and 3. I think I have it here. Here. Here we go again. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I've told you how churches across this nation is taking the cross off their church buildings, out of their messages, out of their songs. I'm not talking about just nominal churches. I'm talking about Pentecostal churches. When we move ourselves away from the simplicity of the gospel, when we move ourselves away from the cross, <laughs> that's the simplicity of the gospel. It's just so simple. And man's tried to make it hard. They act like it's hard to serve. It's not hard to serve God. It's not hard to know what he wants you to do. We, the old flesh just rebels against it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to live that way. And so we conjure up all kinds of excuses and all kinds of answers and everything else. But the simplicity that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth by his father and that he came and he died, rose again, sits now at the right hand of the father, ever making intercession for us. That's the simplicity of the gospel, that he died for our sins. And for too many people, that's, that just don't get it. That's too simple. But it's the truth. And it'll it'll carry you through. Father, we love you tonight. Search our hearts here. Lord, the psalmist prayed, forgive me of my secret sins. If there are secret sins in the back rooms of our hearts, if there's a pantry, a closet, under the stairs room, If there's a room in our hearts, if there's a place that we don't want to go because it's too painful. If there are things that we have sectioned off to not lay at the foot of the cross. Then help us tonight to be willing to do that. God, I pray there would not be one person sitting under the sound of our voice. That would allow the enemy, Satan, demonic spirits, or anyone else, some some angel of light coming through some preacher, deceive. Reveal your truth, the simplicity of your truth to us. And Lord, those we come in contact, Lord, I see people and come in contact with people every day. Almost every day of my life that they're so deceived. 
God, help us to be able to do something, say something that would reveal your truth to open their eyes.